So, as you know, we're, we're continuing this uh, series on things that could well be the marks of a church that is healthy. Uh, and what we're going to look at today is the fact that I believe that the regular participation in the Lord's Supper uh, is a mark of a healthy church if that is done in a, an appropriate way from the heart. Now, uh, you'll notice that there's a, a number of different uh, pieces of terminology here. Um, So we have the Lord's Supper mentioned here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, If you were to go to the book of Acts, you would find another phrase that is more commonly used but is interchangeable. Uh, So for instance, in Acts chapter 2, when it talks about the early church, how that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the prayers, and to the breaking of bread. And then you have the one that we read earlier on from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Most of us are used to uh, that in the word that is used in the old authorized version, the word communion, but you'll have noticed that in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, in the ESV where I wrote, uh, where I, not I wrote, (laughs) that I read, um, it uses the word participation. This is a participation in the body and in the blood of Christ. This was something that was regularly um, experienced by the early church. If you go to Acts chapter 20, it says that uh, on the first day of the week, you know, the disciples came together to break bread. They probably chose the first day of the week, Sunday, uh, specifically. Of course, that was the day that the Lord had risen from the dead. Uh, the first day of the week and they regularly met to celebrate the Lord's Supper breaking of bread slash the participation if we could call it that uh, today. Now it's interesting to me that in our New Testament and as far as the early church is concerned that there actually is very little in the way of ceremonial You know, that's in distinction with the Old Testament. You know, we turn to the Old Testament and there's ceremony everywhere. You know, there's a temple, there's a priesthood, there are sacrifices, there are special clothes, there are special days, and it goes on and on. When we come to the New Testament, it's almost devoid of that, apart from two things, two ordinances or or symbols that were given by Christ. The Lord's Supper is one of them, and the other one is believer's baptism. Now, I think the reason for that is, 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 a, is an important one. Because Jesus said on one occasion to the woman he met at the well, you know, um, if the Father is looking for worshippers, and, and they are those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, ceremony and ritual can be a, actually a very dangerous thing because it can be a real smokescreen. Uh, we can hide behind ceremony and ritual. You know, we can just go along and we can just do it. And sometimes it might well hide a kind of poverty of heart and of spirit. And of course, that's what the Father is looking for. He's not looking for people who just go through the routine. He's looking for people who, in their heart and from their spirit, 
worship him. And I think that is one of the main reasons why we only have two elements of of ceremony, if you like, uh, as far as the the New Testament uh, is concerned. Now, there are a few words that I'm going to be bringing up here um, uh, just to help us kind of understand things a wee bit better. And the first word, if we put it up there, Phil, um, they all come out of the, of the passage, and you'll see them uh, in the passage here. The, third, the first word, let's put them up one at a time, Phil, so that we don't get ahead of the game, all right? Uh, keep everyone in suspense, right? Uh, so the first word is um, examine. Uh, you'll see that it says, you know, we need to examine ourselves. And after we examine ourselves, then that's when we have to participate uh, in the Lord's Supper. So that examination is, is a wide thing. Number one, it is an examination to see whether we are actually in the faith or not. It is an examination, a self-examination, to see whether, in fact, what this symbolizes means anything at all to me. You know, we're going to find out later on in one of the other points uh, when the Lord Jesus says, you know, this is my body that was given for you. This is my blood that was poured out for you. Now, there are some people in our world who do participate at one level And I mean by that, they they will physically participate in the Lord's Supper. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything for them. And and that that makes it null and void. There are people who just rock up Sunday by Sunday to certain places. Maybe it's not every week, but they will do this. And they're not believers. If you question them, they're not Christians. You You can only really get the full meaning of this if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And from your heart you say, yes, his, his body was given for me. Yes, I truly believe that his blood was poured out for me and I enter into a new covenant with God uh, because of that. So it's important that um, we see this as such a central thing. You know, this is not an add-on to what the church does This is something that drives at the very heart of what it means to be a believer and what it means for a church to come together. It's a focus on the centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ and of his death upon the cross. That's the very heart of things and it's not uh, peripheral at all. And so we need to examine ourselves from that point of view. I mean, Christians need to do that too. Um, The people here in Corinth, you know, it was a bit of a mess. It was chaos. The church came together and there were some people who were wealthy. There were some people who were poor. There was a big social split and they didn't really take uh, into consideration each other's needs. And uh, Paul says, really, it's not on. You know, you need to examine yourself and correct things and with a right attitude of heart come. And that's not to exclude people permanently it's with a view to examining so that you will sort it out and then participate that's the way that really things are taught here so let's move on to the second point and the second point i've put i've put two words together there um uh, remember uh, and discern so obviously the lord says do this uh, in remembrance 
of me. This is to help us remember Christ. And of course there are two symbols that we have before us, bread and and the wine cup. So, you know, we might ask, is there the need for two? Is it is it a repetition? You know, does does the second one just more or less mean the same as the first? Um, or is there something here that, that, that can be helpful here? So, the Lord Jesus, of course, in one of his great I am statements, referred to himself as the, the bread of God, as the bread of heaven. Um, and, and that, in a sense, was saying something about the fact that in the same way as God in the Old Testament gave bread, manna, to physically feed the people as they traveled through the wilderness, he came as the fulfillment of that, as, as the person who would fulfill the spiritual needs and appetites of, of humanity because he would give himself for the life of the world. Of course, uh, you know this is a, something that I've uh, said before, but just to point it out to you, it, it doesn't say here um, that the body of Christ was broken. It says that here is my body that's, that's given. And, that, and that's actually, I think, quite important because this comes out of the Passover. You know, the Lord Jesus, when he instituted it, was, was actually celebrating the Passover at the time. And one of the bits about the Passover specifically was that the lamb, none of its bones were to be broken specifically said that and you remember upon the cross that they broke the legs of both of the thieves but they didn't break the legs of Christ so that the scripture would be fulfilled not a bone of him would be broken and the whole idea of that is of course at the at the cross there is this mammoth conflict between Satan and the Messiah and uh, Satan is going to have his head shattered splintered you know, in fulfillment of the Genesis prophecy. And, and the Son of God would have his heel bruised. And upon the cross, Christ would be bloodied, but he would not be broken. He was the victor. Satan was destroyed and crushed and splintered and broken. The Lord Jesus was bruised, but he was the victor. And that is part of the symbolism of why his bones were not broken. You know, so it says here, my body given for you, given instead of you, the idea of substitution. I will stand as your substitute in your stead where you should have been. I will stand. I will receive the punishment, the wrath of God that was due in total justice for your errors and your shortcomings and your failings. I will take all of that instead of you. My body for you, my blood for you. So, when he says, my body given for you, it includes all of that, but it includes more than that. It also includes the whole idea of what Christ did in his body as he went towards the cross. I mean, obviously, when we look at the symbolism of the blood, that particularly focuses on that moment when his blood was shed and he died upon the cross. My body given includes that, but gives a bit more than that as well. So we think, for instance, about the quote that we find in Hebrews chapter 10, 
which says, you know, sacrifices and offerings, you didn't want that, but a body have you prepared for me. And of course, that's the incarnation. That, that body uh, miraculously conceived in, in, the, in the womb of Mary. The wonder, the mystery of the incarnation. We think about that when we think about the bread. We think about everything that the Lord Jesus did in his body. You know, the first miracle, Cana of Galilee, he showed his glory forth there and his disciples believed in him. Our mind goes throughout everything that the Lord Jesus taught. You know, we visualize him uh, upon the mountain teaching um, the crowds. We see him on the lake stilling the storm. We watch him by the, the grave of Lazarus, you know, with the tears rolling down his face as he thought about his, his friend. We, we go through all the great things about the life of Christ. And all of that is symbolized in his body that was given for us. And uh, wherever, there's an old hymn that says, wherever we follow thee, Lord, admiring, adoring we see, you know, that love that was stronger than death flow out without limit and free. And he says, the world must not be allowed to forget and use this as a means of remembering me. The cup there has to be discernment with this as there has to be discernment with the, with, the, with the loaf, with the bread. There has to be insight. There has to be perception and understanding so that we understand the significance of what we're doing and we do it with discernment. That's what it says there. Whoever does not discern the Lord's body, you know. And so one of the things that's pointed out particularly as far as the cup is concerned is that in verse number 25, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Of course, our our Bibles are split into the two covenants, the two testaments, the Old Testament, the New Testament. The Old Covenant characterized by the fact of here are the laws, here are the ceremonies. If you do these things, then your soul will live. And no one was able to. None of us can ever do that. Stand up to the requirements of God. The new covenant, the new testament, however, is characterized by the blood of Christ. It's established in the blood of Christ. And it's not to do with do this and your soul will live. It is to have faith in the finished work of Christ which he has accomplished, which he has done upon the cross of Calvary. Again, I've got some, some old hymns that come to my mind here, you know. Some of you will be following with me. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away one stain. But Christ, the heavenly Lamb, takes all our sins away, a sacrifice of richer blood and nobler name than they. The precious, powerful, redeeming, covenant-making blood uh, blood of Christ. There's no blood. There's no altar now. The sacrifice is over. No smoke, no flame ascends on high. The lamb is slain no more, but richer blood 
has flowed from nobler veins to cleanse the soul from sin and wash the reddest stains. That's the precious blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary for rebels and sinners like us. And that is what we discern. That's what we understand as we participate and as we remember the Lord Jesus. As I said earlier, it was instituted out of the the Passover. And the Passover, of course, had the lamb, as I said, as its central point, point. And the blood of the lamb was taken and applied and he sheltered under the blood for protection. What a message that gives to us today. Not a lamb for every house in the nation, but we think about the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And in remembering, we behold him with discernment, with insight, with faith. We discern the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Point three. Why don't you put them? I'm, I'm confusing you, um, Phil, so just let's, let's stick them up. So not only examine, not only remember and discern, but this idea of, of proclaim. You'll notice that again from the passage where it says, you know, as you do this, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, verse 26, the Lord's death. So there's a, there's a proclamation that's going on along with all the other things that we've mentioned. And I think that proclamation takes three parts. It's a, it's a proclamation to ourselves, first of all. We, we're, we're proclaiming, we're announcing to ourselves the importance of this, the centrality of this. And um, we're saying that this is so meaningful as far as I'm concerned. I don't want to forget this. I want this to be a focus for me on a regular basis. I don't want to be taken up with peripheral things. I want to have my attention brought back to these core things about the Lord Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross. And I'm, I'm preaching that to myself as I do this. I'm proclaiming that to myself, the importance of that. Secondly, it's, it's, a, it's a proclamation, in a sense, to the watching world. You know, the, the world watches on. Of course, there are some people watching in uh, today. And in a sense, there is nothing that says about the meaning of the gospel of Christ more than, than this Lord's Supper. In fact, I know several places in their communities, churches, where they're, you know, They've got uh, relationships with the local schools and as an educational thing, uh, the schools want to come into the churches and learn a little bit about them. And I know places that that, uh, when the kids come in, they will have the table just laid out like this as well and they will explain to them, you know, this is what we do week on week. And uh, just by explaining this as an explanation of the gospel, nothing could be a clearer explanation to our world you know, of what we believe and what the gospel is. So it's a proclamation in that sense as well. And then thirdly, and interestingly, and maybe most importantly, this is a proclamation not just to our watching world, but to another watching world. You know, to the spirit world. 
You know, it's interesting. Um, if you if you look back to verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 11, he's talking about something else. But he says the whole point of this has to do with the angels. And in Ephesians chapter 3, he makes that point. He, t- he talks about how through the church, the, the manifold, the, 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 the variegated grace of God is is demonstrated to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. So as the church of God participates in this, it's a proclamation to to angels and to demons about the centrality of the gospel and the centrality of Christ. And that's what he's saying here. As you do this, you are making a proclamation. So, you know, discern that today. That... That also is involved in in what we're doing. Now, the fourth point, you'll notice that in that same verse I read about proclaiming the Lord's death, it says, until he comes. Until he comes. It's almost a bit paradoxical, isn't it? You know, it's almost like a crossroads there for what we're doing today. On the one hand, we're told to remember... But we're told to remember with a view to the future and with a view to anticipation. It's the anticipation uh, that Christ will come. And, you know, there's a big part that is to do with the faith that we have in him. But, but that faith will one day give place to actual sight when we meet Christ and we're with him. And uh, I used to remember hearing people say quite regularly, you know, we have done this once more today. We've participated in the Lord's Supper. And they would say, but in a sense, we have done it once less. Because it is with a view that Christ comes. And so as we discern the meaning of it, this is part of it. To think about the coming of Christ. The Savior who we are focused on. The Savior who came and gave himself for us. The Savior whose death was such an awful thing but so necessary for us. We're so focused. And we will meet him one day. And we will be with him. And we will be like him. If we have faith in him. And so that is part of what we do. Now the final point briefly is this. You know, I I talked about the word participation, didn't I, at the start, rather than communion. So let's just look at what what I might call a secondary symbolism that we have here today. You know, primarily, the body speaks to us of Christ's body that was given for us. But there is a secondary symbolism. And if you turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you'll notice that it says there... um, In verse number 16, the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So this participation in this is a discernment of the fact that as believers we are part we, 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 we more often use the word one body but we are one bread okay it is the unity of the church 
And it is an expression of my oneness with my brothers and my sisters in this central thing of the death of Christ. And so all of these things come together. So as we think of the communion, more accurately, as we think of the participation that we are involved in today, let let us all be full participants. Full participants in the deepest sense of that word. Not just physical participants, but participating in the the entire sense that I've tried to explain uh, these words, hopefully helping us uh, in doing that. And may the Lord bless us as this morning we do participate in the Lord's Supper.